1: What the Romans would do is They would look for parts of the world That did not have Roman culture As far as they were concerned they were, the, they were the conquerors of the world And every part of the world Just like it had become Greek Under Alexander the Great Had to become Roman Under their law And so their emperor said Wherever there's no Roman culture We will send you out there And you will make them You will colonize them And make them Romans so they, they sent out an admiral, admiral with a lead ship, and maybe four or five ships behind him, and they would go to places where there was no Roman culture. They would go there first, they would set up a little settlement, and they would live the Roman life. As they engaged the people, they would invite them to learn the Roman way of life and show them it was better. If they didn't want to, 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 to acquiesce to it, they would will, they will subjugate them, they would make them. But the goal was to create everywhere Roman culture. You got it? And when, if the culture, when the culture was set up and it was strong, it was the dominant culture in the region, then the apostles, the apostle, would get back on his a ship called the apostles, and they would leave out again looking for new territory. What Jesus did was adopted that mentality. Uh, the only difference is he would invite people into his kingdom, not force them. And and so Paul, when he he writes the second letter, he's defending his apostleship. He's saying to them, the Lord has sent me among you. When you are worshiping idols, God sent me to introduce you to the way of life. That will cause you to become a witness. Cause you to become a person for Jesus Christ. Cause you to become, watch this now, someone that's not lost and destined or doomed to hell. Because hell is real. We don't talk about it a lot, but it's real. So he's writing this letter to them, and when he gets to chapter 5, he begins to get real personal. And, and I am picked up here because I want you to follow me with this. It's, it's so personal, and it's so deep. Here's what Paul says. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Isn't this amazing? Now, Paul is the apostle of grace. And Paul said, man, God is forgiving, God is loving, God is kind. He said, but our responsibility to God is fearful. The Greek word here is phobos. Uh, you, you know it sounds like phobia. He says phobos. It's not that we're scared of him. It's that we have this deep respect and understanding for what is at stake. In Romans 11, he, I think the verses 22 and 23, he says you have to behold, watch this now, the goodness and the severity of God. He said to those who want to, who want to come along with this program, he's good. He said but the ones who keep rejecting it and, and damning them, their souls in the process, he's severe. And Paul says, we have a fearful responsibility to the Lord. He says, so we work hard to do what? Persuade others. Paul understood, watch this, and I want to help you. everybody understand this. Your witness has the potential to either cause people to turn from their ways and receive Christ and be saved or forever be lost. What a fearful responsibility. What a responsibility. Who can bear it? Before I stand before you, I always remind myself, I tell God, these are your people. This is your church. If there's something specifically you want me to say, speak now. I need to hear it. And if you wait till I go out at the last minute, I will change, I'll close my computer, change the lesson. I'll teach whatever you say. These are your people. You, you know better than I know. I've been doing that for going on 30 years. He says, God knows we are sincere and I hope you know this too. Here's what Paul said. He said, God knows our hearts in this matter. He said, but I hope you know that we're not playing games. How many of you know we don't play games around here? He said, when we receive offering, we ain't playing money game. We ain't trying to rip you off or do something dishonorable. He said, we're not playing games. We ain't in here trying to run some kind of scheme. He said, that's not what's going on here. He says, God knows it, but he said, it makes a difference to us if you know it too. Look at the next verse. He says this. He said, and we are, he said, are we commending ourselves to you again? In other words, are we trying to win you again? He says, no. He says, we are giving you a reason to be what? He said, we want you to be proud of us. And I'm going to be honest with you. Every pastor wants you to be proud of your church. When we mess up, when, when leadership messes up, I mean, we put ourselves in a bad situation because you have to, when our people leave here, you have to deal with folk on the street. And they talk so bad and you feel so terrible. They tell you you're a fool. You go to that church. You're stupid. We get it. And so when people leave a church when something goes wrong, I don't get mad with them because I understand. You know what? Although our humanity is no excuse for our misbehavior. You do get that. But watch this now. Our misbehavior misbehavior lends itself to the fact that we are people. But we still want you to be proud of us. So you can answer those. Now this is crazy. We want you to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. There are people who believe that if our ministry has the lights and the cameras and the action and all this stuff and, 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 and we, 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 we're relevant. Here's the problem with relevance. Relevance is not a part of the, of the program to win people to Christ. People don't come to Jesus because you're cool. I didn't come out today uh, dressed down because it's cool. I came out because it's what I got today. Can I be real? I didn't feel like going through that closet full of clothes and pulling out a suit. I looked at the first thing that was there. I said, this goes with that and it goes with them boots. Let's give them here. I put them on. (laughs) Suppose they judge you. They're going to judge me anyway. You judged me before I came. (laughs) Watch this. A spectacular ministry. We brag about the kind of gifts that stand on the platform. We brag about the facilities we worship in. we always talking about the spectacular or, or, or the, the grandiose of our ministries. And Paul said, but the problem is sometimes the ministry is grand, but the hearts aren't. Look at the next verse. He said this. If, if it seems we are crazy... It's to bring glory to God. I want to show you a scripture that I thought was funny. Because this verse could confuse you. He said, if it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. What does he talk about? I want to show you. Paul had a habit of doing something that I thought was pretty wild. In Acts chapter 14, verse 19, I want to show you something. So, so when it came to representing God, Paul often came off a little insane. He did. He would do some craziness. If you didn't know his story, you would say, what's wrong with this man? Let me show you this. So... Follow me. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. Watch this now. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Later on when Paul tells a story, he said he actually did die. When Paul told the story later on, he said, he said they actually killed me. So imagine this. Here's a story. I'm preaching. Some people come that don't agree with my preaching. They stoned me to death and then they dragged me outside of town. But the next verse says, but as, as the believers gathered around him, I wonder what they were doing gathered around him. What would you do if someone stole me and left me for dead? You start praying in tongues. You start c- commanding life to come. Well, that's what they did. They did like, like cells in the body. They called him back to life. And when he got up, instead of saying, man, those folks don't like our preaching. Let's go somewhere else. He went back into the town. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how insane is that? Listen, they killed me. I don't have to figure out whether they want my ministry or not. No, they don't want my ministry. The Bible's out of court Scripture. The Bible says, shake the dust from your feet and find somewhere else. I'd have shook the dust and went somewhere else. But they stoned him and Paul said, I'm going to show him I didn't die. And people said, no. He said, no, leave me alone. He goes back into town. <laughs> he preached the rest of the day. Then the next day he went to somewhere else. That's what he's talking about. He says, to some of you, I'm crazy. He said, go back to, the, uh, to verse, I think verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 5 real quickly. He says, if it seems we are crazy, he says, it's to bring glory to God. He said, there are times, everybody look at me, I want to help you out. There are times where God, you all know what God wants, but you trust him so much in your witness that you do crazy stuff. I remember one time we were riding, we were riding in the ghetto one time. <laughs> Me and a ministry friend of mine, and we see we saw a big fight. These, these guys are surrounding this little guy, and they were beating the fool out of him. And my friend like, stop the car, stop the car. I'm like, why? I'm from the hood. He wasn't. I said, we, you don't get involved in a fight. He said, stop the car, they're going to kill him. So I, I slam on brakes. <laughs> he gets out of the car. Said, hey, stop. I'm like, oh, my God, we don't have a gun. We ain't got nothing. Leave him alone. And they're like, you don't know what he did. He said, I don't care, leave him alone. And they went back to the business. And the little guy said, I'm going to get you all back. I'm like, shut up, man. Just go on your bit about your business. Here's the thing. The crazy part about it is he was, my, my friend was out of his mind. His commitment to Jesus was like, no, we can't let this go on. I was more sober. <laughs> my thing was, are you ready to get into a fight with these five guys that's beating this one guy? Because even with the little guy helping us, it's three against five. I'm thinking in my old life, all he knows is his new life. See how my identity got in the way? Paul said, if it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And watch this now. But when he stood before the people to speak, he says, it always comes across like we're in our right minds. And there'll be times in your witness when you, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will do things and say things that people will say, man, that was not proper. Never forget a situation. We were with a guy, um... His wife came to church, and we, My matter he came to church, we said, where's your wife? He said, man, she at home, she acting crazy, we don't know what's going on. I said, okay, that's strange. So we went to church. After church, we, our thing was like, well, can we see her? And he said, no, oh, I don't think it's a good idea, she's, she's just mean, whatever. So we, we all went to the house, we're eating, and we're standing there talking, and, and, and all of us are like, we, we're sympathizing with him and saying, well, brother, <laughs> my ex-wife walked in and said, what you do to that woman? He broke, the, I'm sorry, it was me. And he, he confessed. And I thought to myself, how did we miss that? Because sometimes you get beside, it seems crazy. It seems like it's an inappropriate thing to do. But the Lord needs that witness. He needs you to be that kind of witness. But whenever you speak to people, never come across crazy. Look at the next verse. It says this in verse 14. Is It says either way. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our own lives. Here's what he said. Here's how it works. If you, how many of you believe that Jesus died for you? Okay, you understand what that means, right? You see, we see a lot of things in church that we don't know what they mean. Okay? If Jesus died for me, that means I was going to die. Right? Right? You know in the scripture, the Bible says that he actually, he, he actually went into the belly of the grave. He went to hell on our behalf. So he died and went to hell for us. And he rose from the dead. Paul said, if I believe that, he said the love of Christ controls me. Because if I believe that Christ died for all, then I believe that I'm already dead to my old life. When he died 2,000 years ago, I died too. Look at the next verse. That's what he said. He says, he died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Here's the problem you said, Pastor, my life is so hard. Could it be that your life is so hard because you're living the wrong life? Could it be that you are trying to live an old life and the, the blessing of the Lord and the favor of the Lord is on your new life and you're asking God, Watch this. You over here on backslidden streets saying, God, help me. And God is like, well, your, your help is all over here. Watch this. Remember, you are in WITSEC. You are in a witness protection program. All he needs from you is your testimony. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the what? The Lord needs your testimony. And the testimony is always that he brought you out. you over there testifying about what he did back here. You can't be back here living that same life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves.
0: Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story featuring the lead single, It Is So. pick up the chart topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC family choir titled True Story in stores now and available at all digital outlets and now a word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. Yeah. There are now two ways for you to receive this regular encouragement via text message. Simply text Uplift to 46786 and you'll receive this regular encouragement on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app, available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Uh Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift via text message, simply text Uplift to 46786, and you'll be able to receive this encouragement on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. To receive Heart Ramsey's uplift on a daily basis, simply download the free NCC Family app, available in the app stores for iTunes and Google Play. That's it. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Yeah. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift.
1: I know you're gonna dig this.
0: Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Do you know the
1: Bible says in, in John chapter 11, Jesus told Martha, He said, He said, those, He said, um... If, if a person that believes in me will never die, what do you mean? He said they won't die. Not, but not in the biblical definition of the word. He said what's going to happen to you is you're going to lay down your life here. But death serves as a transition. We watched the person on the bed breathe their last breath out. and We saw cry, oh, my God. And you don't understand it. on the other side, they meet Jesus face to face. And he says, on that side, the bed, we're crying and the whole family is gathered together. On this side, the bed, the angels are waiting because they understand that Jesus died for this one. When he comes out the body, the Lord says, welcome to the kingdom. Here's the life prepared for you. And you say, what about the family? He says, they're going to be okay. The Holy Spirit got them. We'd be saying, raise from the dead. Call him back. They'd be resisting you. I ain't coming back. <laughs> Once I'm out of here, I'm... <laughs> okay, look at verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one point, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Call us. I need you real quickly. Let me, let me help you with this. When Jesus died... He foresaw the world become this absolutely crazy place. I was talking to Pastor Pete the other day. We were talking about this thing called, um, what is it called? Soji? Soji's sexual orientation, gender identification. Satan so understands that if, I, if, I, if God's purpose for you, he said of Abraham, I know him, he will father children and he'll command his children after him. God's plan for Abraham was in his masculinity. It was, it was in his maleness. God can't fulfill that plan for Abraham if he's struggling with, with, with some type of female identity. What do we do? Do, do, we, do, we, do we go after people and, and, and curse them? No, 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 no. We understand that it's an attack against their identity and it's very real. So when a person's under attack, the last thing you want to do is attack them too. Here's the thing. Concerning Rebecca, he said to her, There are two nations in your womb fighting against one another. He said, When they come forth, the younger will be greater than the older, or the eldest will serve the younger. His plan for Rebecca was that she would have a womb and bring forth children, who, by the way, were Jacob and Esau. Her assignment from God in the earth was connected directly to her femaleness. Mary, when, when the angel came to her, they art highly favored. He said, the holy thing is going to be produced into you. He couldn't come to a man to do that because we don't have a womb. You see how this works? What's critical about this time is that Jesus, looking down, all the way down, he, he stayed on the cross. He had to go through that because there are things that have shifted in the earth. And you say, well, God can't do anything with that. Don't you think that when God had Jesus die, when he put the sins of, of all of us on him, that he didn't see that people will mutilate their bodies, seeking to find a new identity, and then they will be disappointed after they change their body, that they still in, are in turmoil? The day is going to come, I prophesied prophesy by the Holy Spirit. Where people are going to walk in this building and and all every location of churches who serve God, not knowing who they are. Their bodies properly or surgically changed into the opposite sex. And when they come in, the Bible says we will not evaluate them from a human point of view. And listen, what we're going to do with them is we're going to look at them and say, The same Jesus that saved me in my mess is going to save you from your mess. The church needs to understand who we are. We got to stop playing games. talking about us against them. No, it's Jesus for us all. Watch this now. Look at verse 17. He says this, verse 17. He said, this means, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ Anyone, regardless of where you're coming from, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of your struggle, what you've messed up, regardless of whatever happened in your past, he said, if Anyone comes to Christ, he's a what was it? Shout the word with the n word is what in the Greek. There's two words for new neos and kainos. Neos means new, as in recent, new, as in freshly. Presented, new as in we have never seen this before, although it did exist. And then there's Kanos. Kanos means something that is freshly created. It means we have never seen anything like it before. When Tesla rolled a car off the assembly line and they presented it presented to the world, we had never seen a car like Tesla before. It wasn't Neos. It was Kanos, a whole new thing. When the when they get the first car. Out that flies and it becomes a uh, public of uh, transportation, it'll be the first of its kind, canos. These these trucks that drive themselves on the road, that's not Neos, that's canos. We've never seen it before. He said, You are going to be canos. If you belong to Christ, you have never existed before. That old life doesn't work for you. That's why you're struggling now. You say, Well, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through, but Jesus does. Yeah. Look at this: the old life is gone. The new life has begun. Wait a minute. If the old life is gone, why do I still feel it? Now, here's what I say, what he said. By faith. It's the Bible said, by grace, are you saved through faith, not of, not of yourself. What did I do? is by grace through faith. It's by grace through faith. It's by grace through... What it means is, when he, if he says it's about me, I say it about me. What he says I'm a new person, my old life is gone, I say I'm a new person, my old life is gone. Yeah. I'm a new person, my old life is gone. Say I'm a new person. Say that loud. Say, I'm a new person. And when you begin to put pressure on your new life to reveal itself, when you refuse, as you go through a door, you close it behind you. Go through a door, you close it behind you. And you say, Pastor, I keep going back across. I burn the bridge. You burn the bridge. And verse 18 says this. It says, and all of this is a gift from God. I didn't have to work for it who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of what? Reconcile people to him. You have one job. I tell this story. My wife and I laugh about it. We were, (laughs) we went to, I was preaching in Toledo. We flew into Detroit and, I'm sorry, I was preaching in New Orleans, and we flew in, and somehow it was a mix-up between that ministry we were going to and and our office, and so when we got there, we sat there for about 15 minutes. Someone was be waiting, and so finally she called. She said, hey, you know, we're here. I mean, where are you guys at? They said, we thought you were coming in tomorrow. And she go back and forth, and everybody she talked to, they put the wrong date. They made a mistake. I turned to her and said, you had one job. She bust out laughing, and whenever anything happened, I just, we just look at you and say, you have one job. Look at somebody tell them, you got one job. So you have, it's one job. It's not a lot. You got one job. Here's what it is. He says, he says, watch this now. Look up. And God has given us this task. Everybody say, this task. It's one job. What is the task? It's recon- reconciling people to him. Reconciling people to him. That's, that's our job. How do we do it? By being witnesses. You said, Pastor, I don't know how to do it. That's the wonderful part. The treasure is an earthen vessel. All you have to do is love him. All you have to do, listen, and there'll be times you'll be sitting there, and he will tell you to do strange things, and you think it's gonna make him look like a fool. And remember, sometimes you have to look like a fool to them to please him. And so you're sitting in the restaurant and you're eating your food by yourself, and God says, go, get up and go over there to that table and sit down. And you go, I ain't gonna do that. I'll never do that. God said, I need you to do that. This happened to me. Got up. Went over, sat down next to the guy, and I said, "What's your name?" He looked at me. He told me his name. I said, "Believe it or not, the Lord told me to come over here and pay for your food and give you a message." He looked at me. "Really?" I said, "Yep." I said, "The Lord says whatever that thing is that you're wrestling—I don't know what it is—but He knows that He heard you praying last night." And it's time for you to get your life. This thug, he was a thug, he was hard when sitting there. He was looking at his breakfast like it's like it wronged him. He was like (laughs) When I said that, he broke down and started to cry. I reached over and I hugged him. He cried like a baby in my arms. And the more he cried, the more the prophetic word came out of me. And I began to speak to him about specific things he had just went through. And I said, what are you concerned about? And he told me what it was. And he said, the Lord shall I have you. I prayed with him to receive Jesus. And I said, and the Lord told me to pay for your food. He said, I can't let you do that. I said, you have no control over that. The one that sent me here and told me your business, he's not a gossip. But he did tell me. To pay for your food. I pay for his food. I left on the way out. He said, I was passing his table. He says, thank you. And I walked by his table, thought to myself, what was that about? Sometimes God is going to use you to be a witness. Here's what I found out later on. He he emailed me on Facebook. He says, Pastor Ramsey, thank you for talking to me today. I said, you know me? He said, I knew who you were when you walked in. Isn't it amazing? I didn't know him. But he knew me. You don't know them, but they've been watching you. They've seen the ups, they've seen the downs. I gotta get you out of here. But this is important. He says, We've given us the one task of reconciling people. Look at verse 19. He says this: he says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Here's what the Bible says: that all the people who that will live. In the earth, their sins have been taken, their bill has been paid, sins taken care of. All they have to do is accept it, and your job is to get them to accept it. He says, watch this now. No longer can people sin against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of what? Not condemnation, but what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation means to restore relationship. Look at the next verse. He said this. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. We're representatives. God is making his appeal through us. Listen to what the Bible says. God, whenever you walk into a room, God is speaking. You are his mouthpiece. Whether you're talking or not, your life is speaking to people about what God feels about them. Lift your hands to the Lord. Say this with me. Say, use me to change destinies, to save lives, to cause people who would otherwise go to hell. To know you say I'm available. I'm, I may not be equipped, but I yield to you. Come on, you mean that? So, so tell, tell the Lord, tell, tell the Lord, touch my family through me, touch my co-workers through me, touch the people who see me, but I don't see them. Use me, Lord. Give me a boldness that is so supernatural. That is not even my personality. When it's my time to speak for you, to stand for you, I do it out of my mind and in your mind. And when I look back at it, I go, that had not That had to be the Lord because it couldn't be me. Come on, say that. I say, use me in reconciliation, in restoring people to you. That's the life I want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah!
1: It says
0: we... We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC Family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. Org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.